The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath You 
have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Are you prepared? To meet Jesus Christ in the clouds in glory. Don't answer that question too quickly. You may be very religious. That is not the qualification necessary to meet Jesus in the clouds. You may feel like, oh yes, pastor, I'm ready. I'm good to go. Well, the ten virgins all thought that as Jesus spoke in Matthew 25. They all thought they were ready to go, but he delayed his coming, and in the delaying, they ran out of oil. Five of them ran out of oil. It was half of the church. They were not prepared. They thought they were prepared. They did the minimum necessary to be able to participate in this wonderful wedding. Many of you have done just the minimum required. You've said, yes, I will accept Jesus, but you never answered the question. Will Jesus accept you? That's a much more important question. Some of you and we're going to talk about this today, are deeply invested in your idols. They may be idols that you're not even sure are wrong. They may be good things, but they are your idols. They come before Jesus. Then you're not prepared to meet Jesus in the clouds of glory. I want with all of my heart that you should know Jesus. That you would secure your salvation today. And you can do that, but it will be expensive. You will have to join the sufferings of Jesus. You will have to know those sufferings. What am I talking about? Well, that's what we're going to deal with today. Some of you who listen to this broadcast know that you are called by Jesus to be a follower of Jesus. But you have a U-Haul truck with all your stuff trying to follow Jesus. And so you don't know the joy 
of entering into his sufferings. You don't know the joy of the fellowship of his suffering with other men and women who have likewise laid down their lives for the gospel of Jesus. The Apostle Paul was in jail. In fact, he was facing the reality that he might be executed. And later, that possibility became very real. And he was executed for Jesus Christ. So we find in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul facing Not jail, he's already in jail. Not facing the loss of all of his belongings, he's already lost all of them. And now the question is, will he lose his life? Will they execute him? And in the face of that possibility of his being executed, he writes to us, the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi, but it applies to all of us. Now he begins in the third chapter of the book of Philippians after having already dealt with speaking about what it means to follow Jesus. Speaking about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, I know of many people who desire with all of their heart, almost, to be a disciple of Jesus. But like the rich young ruler, they come up against the reality of what it would mean to lose everything for Jesus Christ. And when they face that honestly, even though Jesus loves them, they walk away. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to walk away from Jesus because... You have some idol in your heart that you say, it is too hard for me to give this idol up. These idols are so seductive and they look so good. They look so righteous. Listen, as I begin to read these words from the book of Philippians in the third chapter, The Apostle Paul is giving his testimony. Whatever was to my profit, I now considered loss for the sake of Christ. Well, what was his, what was to his profit? At a very young age, he was a part of the Sanhedrin. The up and coming young man who would be a leader in Israel. He gave that position of authority and power up. He walked away from it. Not only that, he took on Jesus Christ. 
which meant that he was cursed, reviled, treated with contempt. What was to his profit? That he was a a law keeper. He was an outwardly, utterly righteous man according to the laws of Moses and according to the laws, the fences established by the Pharisees of his day. All of that system of religion, all of that system of righteousness, all of that struggling to become somebody, going to school and learning, His degree he considered as worthless. He walked away from it. And then he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Well, that word knowing is very interesting. It means total intimacy between husband and wife. It likewise means total intimacy with Jesus Christ, a complete surrender to him. He says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In other words, I consider my degree as worthless. I consider my position of power as worthless. I consider my great my great financial security I consider as nothing for the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The rich young ruler, as he walks away from Jesus, was a man of great wealth. He was offered a position with the disciples, and he counted it as Nothing compared to his great wealth and comfort in life. He walked away from Jesus. The Apostle Paul, however, did not walk away. He said, knowing Jesus Christ is more important than anything I possess, either intellectually, spiritually, or physically. There's nothing that will hold me from Jesus. He said, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. What are you willing to give up for Jesus? What have you given up for Jesus? What have you dumped for Jesus Christ? to be found in him, not to be found with him, but to be found in Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. You see, when you walk in faith in Jesus, he makes you righteous. Not a pretend righteous, not a 
not an imputed righteousness, but an imparted righteousness, real righteousness. A man's life is totally transformed. He's made into a new creature. You're a new person. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now listen to his straight up. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. If I ask you, what do you most want in all the world? How would you answer that question? What do you really want? Can you say with Paul, I want to know Christ. I want intimacy with Jesus. And I want that intimacy with Jesus more than I want my comfort. More than I want my money. More than I want my Mercedes. More than I want anything in this world. I want to know that is to be intimately involved with Jesus Christ. What is it you want? I began to pray about this last night. Holy Spirit began to speak to me about some of you. And I began to pray for you, some of you by name. Some of you are living with someone you're not married to. Some of you are fornicators. Some of you, all you want is your comfortable lifestyle. That's all you want. And if you can have Jesus in addition to that, thank you. I'll take you, Jesus. But don't take away my money. Don't take away my security. Can I be honest with you, please? My entire security is found in knowing Jesus Christ. I have no retirement laid by. Should I have? You know how I've used it. I've used it for radio. I've used it for the work of the ministry. Why? Because I want to know Jesus Christ. He's all I want. How much did Moses have when he went up on that mountain and laid down and died? I'll tell you what he had. He had a promise of the future. He had a promise of going with the Lord into the kingdom above. He didn't take any money with him. He had none. He lived in a desert community with people who were very wayward and selfish. I want to know Jesus Christ. 
And I want to know the power, the dynamite, the dunamis power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. You see, he doesn't say, oh, I know I'm going to be resurrected. I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. No, Paul does not say that. He doesn't say that. He's looking forward to his reward. And his reward is to be with Jesus. But in the process before that, what he wants to do is to intentionally enter into the fellowship. You know what fellowship means? Koinonia. It means leaning on each other to mutually support one another. He's saying, I want to enter into the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. He wants to be with men and women who have come into a place of suffering for the cross of Jesus Christ, where they have cast out their idols. So I ask you, I have to ask you, what are your idols? Be brutally honest. Are you willing to enter into the fellowship of the suffering of Jesus Christ? You know, I could today be living a wonderful, worldly lifestyle of the rich and the famous. I've had many wonderful business opportunities offered to me. And if you have been involved in a business and have become wealthy or well-off in that business, you were blessed by Jesus. But I pray it is not an idol to you. And I pray you would use those resources that you have not to enhance your comfort level, but to enhance the kingdom of God. For me, he has not given me wealth He's given me resources to help the poor. He's given me resources to help build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I want to be in the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings of God's people, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He doesn't say, I know I've attained the resurrection from the dead. He's in prison. He is facing possibly execution. And he is saying, what I want more than anything else is to share in the sufferings, in the koinonia, in the sufferings with God's people, becoming like Jesus in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead, read carefully Romans, the sixth chapter. Some of you become so angry. You think I'm not 
saying something correctly or or you think someone else is way off track and rage builds in your heart and all you can do is criticize speak down to harbor ill will in your heart for some of you that is your idol to be speaking of others as though they are stupid and foolish that is an idol some of you are worshipping at the idol of your success your family your accomplishments some of you are worshipping at your bucket list all the things you want to get done before you pass Some of you worship at the idol of your dreams, of the car you want to buy, the house you want to live in, the person you want to marry. You have it kind of all planned out. You're going to create your own life. That's your idol. Not the Apostle Paul. He wants to become like Jesus Christ. He wants to enter into the sufferings of God's people. He wants to attain somehow to the resurrection from the dead. And now verse 12. I want you to pay attention. Not that I have already obtained all this. So Paul is not saying, yes, I'm good to go. Yes, I have this wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, I've entered into the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And yes, I'm going to be resurrected at the end date. No, he's saying, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect The word perfect here is not speaking of sin. It's speaking of maturity. He's saying, I'm still immature. He's saying there's still places where I struggle to grow up, not to sin or not to sin. That's that's not the question. He's not walking in any sin. But he's immature, and he acknowledges that. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect or already been made mature. No, he says, I'm still a work in progress. I'm not perfect yet. I'm not mature yet. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Are you fighting Jesus? Has he given you direction about where you're to go, what you're to give, how you're to operate as a person in this world and in this culture? Has Jesus been speaking to you and calling you through impressions or through the word of God, and you have resisted and said, I'm not going to enter into suffering? 
please, my brother, my sister. Paul wants to enter into the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, so that somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. If you are not resurrected from the dead, you will be cast into the lake of fire after the second great white throne judgment. He's saying, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is a goal to win. There is a heaven to win and there is a hell to miss. We've been absolutely too casual, too laid back, too lazy. to honestly look at who we are. Now, there is a great storm coming upon America. It is breaking upon us even as I speak to you today. On the 30th day of June, 2022, the storm is breaking right now. I can't set dates, but I believe that by 2028, 2029, I believe Jesus will come. I'm not setting a date. No man knows the date, only the Father in heaven. But when I look at all that is happening, I see that the fig tree is budding. I see the signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. I see the signs on the earth. I see the signs in the culture of which we're part. Jesus is coming again. So Paul is saying, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. And he says, all of us who are mature, he's just said he's immature. But then he says, look, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I've often told you before, and now say again with with tears, with the word in the Greek is to sob, to wail. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Is your stomach your God? Is it all about your physical life and comfort? Is your lifestyle your God? Is your entertainment your God? 
Who is your God? Don't quickly say Jesus is my God because we Americans have a God in Jesus and then we have a whole smorgasbord of other gods that gain our attention and our money, our time, our energy. What are the gods of your life? What is it that you bow down and worship? What is it that you say, uh-oh, I'll follow you, Jesus, but don't deal with this issue in my life. Get honest with me, please, today. Get honest with yourself and with Jesus today. Make a decision. Will you, by the blood of the cross of Jesus, expel all gods from your heart, save the one God of heaven and earth, Jesus the Christ. He says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is his hope. The Apostle Paul has laid everything down on the altar of burnt offering. He is a living sacrifice before Almighty God. He's the one who wrote, and I'm going to turn to it. He's the one who wrote these words in Romans, the 12th chapter. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the regeneration, the the renovation of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. That word, transformed by the renovation of your mind, that word transformed, in the Greek it's actually metamorphosis. To appear as a, a new person with new habits and new worship, New service, new person, a radical change through and through, complete change, both of outward and inward life. That's what metamorphosis means. You've all heard this before, I know. The beautiful monarch butterfly goes to that milkweed and lays his eggs, and the worms will begin to eat the leaves of the milkweed. And then finally they will take their turn. That caterpillar will will put itself in a chrysalis. Many times as a young person, we would take that chrysalis and the leaves and put them in a terrarium. And there we would wait and watch eagerly for the chrysalis to break open and watch that beautiful new being break forth as a monarch butterfly. No longer a worm, 
no longer crawling, but now flying. That's the word Paul uses here. To metamorphose, to appear as a new person with new habits, new worship, new service, new person, a radical change through and complete change, both outward and inward change, transformation, metamorphose. That's Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verses. So I ask you again today, what idols are you following? What personalities do you worship on the TV, on the internet? What sports do you follow and worship? What work do you earnestly mean to attain to? What success is more important than anything else to you? What person are you more concerned about than Jesus Christ? Have you laid your life down and are you prepared to meet Jesus in glory? In the fourth chapter of Philippians, Paul begins in the fourth verse with rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. You understand, he's now speaking to the person who is willing to enter into the fellowship of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Willing to die. And he's saying, in that place, in that place of facing death, by execution, in that place of losing your lifestyle for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In that place where you come to an end of yourself and your pride and your arrogance and your desire to be righteous according to the law. saying rejoice. But why would I rejoice when I've just lost everything? Because I gained everything. I gained Jesus Christ. You cannot gain Jesus Christ until you lay your life down for him. Until you lay down everything you possess. And it's okay if you lose it all for the sake of Christ. You're going to use it. You're going to spend it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to join in the sufferings with Jesus Christ in the hope 
that you can attain to the resurrection of the dead. You give it not so you can attain. It's not a works deal. It's that you want Jesus, and you can't have Jesus and all of your stuff as well. It all must go to the cross. He must own everything. And it's in that context, not in a humanistic context, it is in this context of entering into the sufferings of Jesus Christ that he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. In other words, don't be angry because you lost everything. Don't be angry because you don't have the power anymore. Don't get angry because you're not recognized anymore. Don't get angry because someone will not acknowledge how great you are. Lay it down. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I love that. I can't be gentle if I am defending my life and my stuff. I can't be gentle if I'm still worshiping me. Gentleness comes only when I've laid it all down for Jesus. He says, the Lord is near. How can he say that? Because he's now in Christ. He knows the fellowship of suffering. And now he says, the Lord is near. Is the Lord near to you today? Do you know the nearness of Jesus today? Or are you still concerned about your reputation? Are you still concerned about people who will approve or, or disapprove of you? Are you still holding on to grudges against somebody in the family or, or somebody outside of the family and you, you speak harshly of them? I know people who speak very harshly of me. They're angry because I've given up my power and my prestige and my abilities to make a name for myself in the world. And they say, you're a fool. Why would you do that for the sake of the cross of Jesus? He says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. So now, there's no worry. I stand by faith in Jesus Christ. I apologize if you're hearing the roar of a, a mowing machine outside or a blower. Their maintenance men are outside taking care of the yards. He's saying... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what guards your mind? It's not what you have. It's not who you are. It's not how powerful you are. It's not... It's not the money you have in the bank. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I understand what this means. It means when I come to the end of the month and there's not enough money to pay for the radio for that month, it means I've got to go into the prayer closet and I've got to get on my face before God and I've got to cry out and say, Oh God, this is how much we're short. Would you cover this? And I have to stay there in that prayer closet until he answers. I can't be anxious about it. I can't be saying, oh, we're going to go off the air if if somebody doesn't help us. No, no. It's Jesus' ministry. It's Jesus' broadcast. My life belongs to Jesus. I right now have some physical issues that I'm struggling with. I don't talk about them, except I pray about them. I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, you're my doctor, and here's the issue. Now, I stand by faith that you will heal me. And all through the years, as I have done this, he has healed me. Do I think it's wrong to go to a doctor? No, of course not. Sometimes we have to go to a doctor so we understand how impossible our situation is. And now we have a basis of coming and putting our faith in Jesus. And if we choose, trusting him without any anxiety in our hearts, that he will hear our cry, and he will meet us, and he will heal us. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, money, health, friendships, ministry, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. With thanksgiving, Lord, thank you. You're an awesome God. Look what you've done in my life. Look how wonderfully you have treated me. Look how you have carried me. I praise Jesus today. I haven't attained all of this yet. Just like Paul, I have to say, yeah, I still am entering into the suffering, sharing in the fellowship, becoming like Jesus in death, dying out so I can attain the resurrection from the dead. I haven't been made perfectly mature. I'm still immature in a number of areas. One person got very angry at me because I said, I think the first million years in heaven, I'll just be immature and growing up and needing the direction and advice of my angel. Oh, no, pastor. When you get to heaven, you're going to be perfect. Well, I won't be mature. I'll be growing up in heaven like a calf in the stall. I praise Jesus for this. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I have absolute peace of laying everything down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what should I be filling my mind with? Anger? Bitterness? Judgments of others? No. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, fill your heart and your mind with things that are righteous before God. Fill your heart and your mind with praise and honor to the name of Jesus. Let your songs of praise arise out of your heart. Read the Psalms and praise God with David. Understand his love and his compassion and his mercy for you. Paul continues, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. What is the secret of the Apostle Paul? The secret is he's given everything to Jesus. And now he's no longer in charge of his life. He now has learned to be content in whatever the circumstances are. Circumstances do not control the Apostle Paul's life. Jesus Christ controls his life. So by prayer and petition, he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Then he goes on to say, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. I'm so happy to say to you, thank you for participating in my trouble that this broadcast could stay on the air. Thank you for your incredibly wonderful sacrificial giving, whether it was $10 or a thousand dollars. I know by faith we will remain on the air and I'll be on during the month of July. Every month is month by month by month. Verse 19, and we'll close with this. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, don't take that as some positive statement of name it and claim it. This is the Apostle Paul as he is facing his execution, his imprisonment in Rome. And he's saying, my God will meet all of your needs, all of my needs, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. 
Here's a man walking in the suffering of prison, facing a potential execution. And he says, I trust Jesus. Well, we have only two minutes left in this broadcast. If you'd like to write to me, I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. You can go online to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. You'll also find many, many videos YouTube videos. You'll find podcasts. They're there for you. If you'd like to come and join us on Sunday, you're welcome to come. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I'm so happy you've been on the broadcast today. I hope it's been helpful to you. I look forward to meeting you personally. It's been a joy to meet Dirk and his wife, Lynn. It's been a joy to meet others of you. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. And to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory